All right, let's get into it. We got a lot of work to do today. I'm going to pray. We'll get going. God, I want to thank you for you being you. Thank you for the love that you have for us, for, uh, for your grace and mercy on us. Thank you for communities of faith that are meeting all over the United States and have met all over the world, lifting their voices and their hearts to you. God, I know that we all come into this room in different places in our journey, and I just ask that you would speak to each one of us this morning from your word. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to, to just have at it and work in this place. This morning, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. All right, so you know, one of the greatest things about the gospel of Jesus Christ is this thing called grace. Every follower of Jesus, we walk in this, this word, this idea, and we call it grace. And what it is, kind of, I'll, I'll give you the cliff note version of it. What it is, it's, it's God's favor on you. It's God's kindness toward you. Now, what makes kindness in favor grace is this. You don't deserve it. You do not deserve the favor of God. You do not deserve the kindness of God. I do, but not you. Okay? No, I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm joking. We do not deserve the kindness or the favor of God. There is nothing that we can do by ourselves on our own that can get God to, to pour out his kindness and his favor upon us. But that grace is given to us freely when we follow Jesus Christ. It is, it is God's gift to those that would profess his son as savior and follow in his son's footsteps. Then we are shown the favor of God. Then we are shown God's kindness. Without Jesus in your equation, grace is impossible. And now, when we talk about grace, we really have to talk about something I, I believe that's just it's equal to grace, and it's, it's freedom. We have freedom because of Jesus Christ. We have freedom from condemnation, freedom from oppression, freedom from God's wrath. We have freedom from guilt. We walk in freedom. Paul would write to the Romans, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who, in, who, who are in Christ Jesus. We are free from being condemned. And in Galatians, Paul would write that Jesus has set us free for the sake of freedom. And we're to stand firm in that freedom and not be uh, burdened again with the yoke of slavery. I love those verses. Those make me feel good. I am so grateful to God for the gift of his grace in my life. I am so grateful to God for the gift of freedom that I have in my life. And I am glad that I am glad that God doesn't give me grace in the same measure that I show other people because I'd be in trouble. But that he lavishes his favor and his kindness upon me. And I walk in that freedom. You know, all too often Christianity becomes this weight. 
we have religious leaders and church people, they, they just heap on the rules and the regulations. And, and they're not even things that are in the Bible. It's just the way they decide to interpret the Bible. You can't do this, and you can't do that. You can't watch that kind of movie, and you can't listen to that kind of music, and you can't drink that, and you have to dress this way. Those things aren't even in the Bible. And they put this weight upon them. And sometimes that sometimes our faith becomes moral deism. Morality becomes our God and good behavior becomes the the objective of why we're doing this. And that's not the case. We walk in the grace of God. We walk in the freedom that is in Jesus Christ. Because you see, we can't be good. We can't be good. There's nothing that you can do that's good enough for God's favor to rest upon you. Even our best righteousness is like filthy rags before God. If, if we can get the goodness thing right, Jesus, he wasted his time. If we, can, if we, if we came, if we had righteousness in us, joke's on Jesus. Because all that suffering and stuff, he didn't have. See, we, we got none of that, but it's the grace, the favor, and the goodness of God that is on us because of our relationship with Christ, period. Now, as a church, we, I preach that stuff, man. I, I live that stuff. We live in the grace of God. We walk in the freedom that's the gospel. We walk without the wrath of God upon us. We walk without condemnation. For those that follow Jesus, hear me now, for those that follow Jesus, you walk in a perpetual state of forgiveness. You understand that? If you didn't and you messed up, which I'm sure you're going to do before the end of the day, if you didn't and you messed up and stepped off a street corner and got hit with the bus, guess what? You end up in hell. So we, as Jesus followers, walk in a perpetual state of forgiveness because of the grace and the mercy of God, because of what Christ has done. And my understanding of, I can't even begin to understand the fullness and the completeness of God's grace and the freedom that I have because of Jesus. I mean, I can just like scratch the surface a little bit and and I can just kind of get my mind around a little bit, but but this is God-sized stuff. And I can can just, just glimpse what it means. Unforced rhythm. Freedom. Sake of being free. I mean, doesn't, doesn't that feel good? I mean, that, that's the stuff that I just hope in every day. That's the stuff that, that gets me out of bed every day. That's the stuff that allows me to be on this, this journey of faith. And now that I've made you feel really good, I need to smash that all to pieces. Because if I, don't, if I don't preach the full counsel of God, I will be held accountable when I stand before him. I want to make sure that I get a good mansion with a view, Harley Davidson, in a, maybe two, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. As beautiful as grace and freedom are, they are dangerous ideas when they're misunderstood. 
They are dangerous ideas when they're misunderstood. There are people that are sitting in churches right now that claim to have the grace of God in their lives, but don't possess it. And that's a dangerous way to live your life. Because in order to have the grace of God in your life, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And without that relationship, you've got nothing. And the relationship goes beyond just believing in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus. Demons believe in Jesus. In fact, sometimes in the New Testament, the demons are the only ones who know who Jesus really is. And they do not possess the grace of God and the freedom of the gospel. The relationship goes way beyond just believing in Jesus. It goes beyond church attendance. It goes beyond doing ministry, serving Remember, remember Matthew chapter 7? Do you remember? Of course you don't. But I'm going to tell you anyway, because that's why I get paid. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is telling this story that people are going, Jesus, guess what? We are, we're doing cool stuff in your name. We're, we're casting out demons. We're prophesying. We're doing all kinds of miracles in your name. You know what Jesus tells them? You know what? I don't even know who you are. Just get out of my face. <laughs> Do you understand? Hebrews chapter 6, read it. It's a scary verse. It's a scary text. You can take part in deeply spiritual things and not have a relationship with Jesus. You can claim grace and never possess it. So what, what does the relationship look like? What, what, what are we talking about here? And see, and this, is where, this is where it gets kind of... It gets kind of tricky for us. This is where sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't feel all that good. This is where the rubber will actually meet the road. This is where I, I believe that the prosperity gospel kind of just flies out the window a little bit. And it doesn't land on good biblical principles. Where does this relationship begin? If it's beyond belief, it's just beyond doing God stuff. It's, I, I mean, come on, casting out demons? That's cool. I mean, anybody really like just like cast out a demon just like, Whoa, you know, I mean, have you? No one? I'm not, and Jesus says, I don't even know you. So, so what is it? What's in this relationship? We'll go to John chapter 14. Verse 15. It says, if you love me, and see, we got to stop right there. We can't even go any farther until we figure this out. Jesus says, and, and they're not in red, but those are the words of Jesus. Jesus is telling his disciples, if you love me, that word love, agapao, gets its root from agape. This has nothing to do with a feeling or emotion and has, little to, it has nothing to do with romance or sexuality. It has nothing to do with brotherly love or friendship. This is, this is a self-sacrificing, deep, intimate kind of love. This is a love that's selfless. It does not change. And it is not dependent upon whether love is returned. This is all in deep intimacy within relationship. This is ultimately the love that God has for us. This is the love that a husband should be showing his wife. This is the love that a wife should be showing her husband. This is the love that parents have for their children. This is the love that the brothers and the sisters in the faith should show to each other. 
This is, it's the love that Jesus commands the disciples in chapter 15. I give you a new command, love each other. Be selfless, all in, in the relationships that you have with each other. Jesus will say this, if you love me, if you are in relationship with me, not some superficial, hey, how you doing, shallow, friendly thing, something very deep, something that's personal and transparent. If you are in a relationship and you love Jesus, what does he say? Keep my commands. Keep my commands. The reality is that Jesus has taught us what it is that our lives should look like as we go through this life. He demonstrated for us how we are to live. And he has given us commands, not recommendations, not suggestions, commands to follow. If you love me, if you love me, keep my commands. And we follow and we, we keep those commands not, not so we can gain God's favor, we keep those commands not to try to get God to love us. We, we do it because, because we are in relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you're in that intimate, deep relationship with Jesus Christ, you already possess the favor and the kindness of God in your life. The love that he's talking about here is, it's not a mood, it's not emotion, it's not those butterflies you get when she's around, you know? It's, it's, it's nothing like that, but it's a willingness, a willingness to live your life in a very specific way. Jesus would say, if you love me, if you're willing to give yourself to this relationship, if you're willing to be all in, keep my commands. Live the way that I have lived my life. Live the way that I have shown you how to live if you love me. Now, many times, grace and freedom get in the way of this very simple truth. Grace and freedom is a dangerous thing when we don't understand it. Because we can use it as an excuse to live exactly opposite of what of the way that Jesus has called us to live. And our reason? Well, we think, well, well, I'm not perfect. And, and God knows I'm not perfect. But he still loves me. That's true. And I can't I can't expect to just do everything. I mean, Jesus was Jesus and I'm not Jesus. So how am I supposed to live the way that he lived? Like in perfection. God, I have God's grace not to be perfect. It's true. But when grace and freedom become your excuse to live outside of the harmonies of God, when grace and freedom become your excuse to live contrary to the teachings of Jesus Christ, you have missed the point. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. Church stuff. It doesn't matter if you're in church every day. It doesn't matter if, if you're doing cool things and you're serving in a ministry. 
It doesn't matter if you read the Bible every day. It doesn't matter if you're driving out demons or doing miracles. What matters is the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. Because if you don't have that relationship, Jesus says to you, I don't even know you. Do you you get where I'm coming from? All the stuff on the outside is worthless unless your heart is in love with Christ and you're in that relationship and you're following him life. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. This is just one from the many, many teachings that are in the Gospels alone. And then all of the rest of the New Testament. There's so many things that are taught how we're supposed to live our life. Everyone in this room, at one time or another, maybe even now, has had that person in your life. That person, or maybe for you, it's a group of people, that just rubs you the wrong way just gets under your skin. They aggravate you, and, and it's just like, oh, it could be a coworker, could be your neighbor, could be your husband, could be your what, could be your entire family. I don't know. It could be somebody at church, but it's but it's that person. They just they're dumb. Okay? And and and, and that's the only way you just they're just like they're dumb. Or maybe they're arrogant and prideful, or they're they just act like a jerk. And when they walk in the room, you just automatically, you get frustrated. When you think about them breathing the same air as you, you're just frustrated. And you think everything that's wrong in the world is embodied in that single person. Now, if you've never had that person in your life, either you're a recluse or you're lying, okay? But I mean, we all have been there. That, that whether it's a guy or it doesn't matter, we've all had just that, oh. Now, Jesus was once asked a question. Yo, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, well, Jesus love God. And then he said, love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Suggestion, not recommendation. Commandment. Jesus said, love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the story of the Good Samaritan will tell us who our neighbor is. It's the person that you really have nothing in common with. It's the person that has a completely set of different beliefs in you. It's a person that you may not get along with because you believe different things. It's the person that may just rub you wrong. That's your neighbor, and that's who you're called to love. It's not a recommendation. It's not Jesus suggesting. He said, they, they asked Jesus, what's the greatest command? The greatest command is love God. The second greatest command is love people. Well, now you've got this person in your life that just grinds you the wrong way. And you are going to treat this person the way they should be treated. You are going to make sure that you put them in their place. And maybe, maybe you have to be a little forceful with them. Maybe you're just downright mean with them and you're impatient with them. Maybe you talk about them behind their back but you do it in such a way where you're asking people to pray for them and you and their relationship. We love to do that. Hey, you want to hear what so-and-so did so you can pray for them? But, but there's, so there's gossip going around and you're just impatient, mean, and nasty to them because they deserve it. They're dumb. And, and somewhere in the back of your mind, you believe that you are better than them, so you have to make sure that they know that in this relationship. And you treat them poorly. And you do it, and you rationalize it by saying, you know what? 
can't love everyone. I mean, that's just that's impossible. I mean, God knows that. He still loves me. And yeah, you know, I, I still have the grace of God in my life, you know, that 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 forgiveness thing. You missed the point here. You have missed the point of freedom in Christ. Grace is never an excuse. Freedom is never an excuse. Now in saying that, we have to be careful. Because grace is not about being perfect. Grace is not about getting it right all the time. We live in a broken world. And in this broken world, we are all, all of us, everyone, all-inclusive, we are all broken people. And there are going to be people in this world that are going to aggravate you. That's the reality. There's going to be people in this world that you are not going to get along with, that are just going to rub you the wrong way. They're going to frustrate you. Here's the difference. When you've treated them poorly, you go to God. You repent. You pray, God, help me treat. Help me not be a jerk to them like I have been. Help me, help my prideful heart in thinking that I am actually better than they are. God, forgive me and let me treat this person for who they are. Someone made in your image. See, that's the heart of And that's the grace of God alive and well in your life. That's grace manifests in your life. And we can just talk about examples of abusing freedom over, just let's go go to alcohol, okay? I believe that you can have a glass of wine, maybe even two in a row. I mean, if you want to get crazy about it, you know? But when you cause a brother or a sister to stumble because you're walking in your freedom, you're in sin, Okay, freedom to have a glass of wine does not mean you can go out and get hammered, stupid drunk every weekend called drunkenness. And the Bible speaks against that. Freedom is never an excuse, but it's always the reason for our pursuit of Christ-like, a Christ-like life. Grace is never an excuse, but it's always our, re- our reason to pursuing a life of godliness, righteousness. Grace reveals our shortcomings. Grace allows us to accept the forgiveness of God and it strengthens us to make change in our life. It never lets us stay in the mindset or it never lets us to continue in behaviors that are contrary to the teachings and the commands of Jesus. That is not grace. Too many people claim they have grace. They misunderstand it. And they're in a dangerous place in their hearts because they don't get it. It's never the excuse, but it's always the reason to press on to live your life like Jesus. And you know, that's, that's, that's just like one command. I, I did some research this week and it looks like Jesus spoke over 50 commands, different commands in the gospel, in the gospels. I don't even like, I'm not sure I even like the word commands because it doesn't say command in all of them. We could say maybe Jesus spoke 50 harmonies in the gospels, ways that we are to live our life, things that we are to pursue, that our lives would look like his life and we would be walking in harmony with our creator. 
Let me, let me just read a few of them. Build on the rock of obedience to Jesus, otherwise you will fall. Worship God alone, follow Jesus. Be salt and light to this world. Don't call your brother a fool. Practice instant reconciliation. Do more than expected and go the second mile. Give to those that ask. Love, bless, and pray for your enemies. Quietly do good for God's praise alone. Don't be anxious. Judge not that you may not be judged. Treat others as you'd like to be treated. Forgive others. Confess Christ before men. Take up your cross. Be aware of hypocrisy and greed. Pay your taxes and give to God what is his. Love God and others. Honor God with all that you've been given. Minister to others as you would to Jesus himself. Repent of your sins. Have childlike faith. Rejoice when you're persecuted. Act with compassion and not prejudice towards others. Invite the poor to eat with you. Humble yourself and take the lowest position. You must be born again. Don't covet your brother's blessing. And my all-time favorite, strive for perfection. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. These are just, these are just a few of the teachings that Jesus spoke. And he says, if you love me, if you are in relationship with me, you're going to do those things. And he will give us the grace that when we fail, and we will, his grace is that we recognize that and we go to him and we repent and he will pick us back up and he will dust us off and he will set us back on the road to the journey. That is grace. Grace lights the road that's less traveled. Grace brings us to the narrow gate so that we can enter in. That is the grace of God. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another, another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be, with, be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. When we love Jesus and we're in this intimate relationship with him, he is going to pray for us. And the result of that prayer is he will send the spirit of God to dwell within us. He is not going to leave us as orphans. He is not going to forsake us and just kick us out into the world and say, have at it, give it your best shot. He will empower us to live the life that he has called us to live. He will empower us, if you will allow him to, to love him and to keep his commands. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Anyone who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Do you, do, do you see what it says here? Do you see the importance of, of obedience to the thing that, things that Jesus calls us to? The consequence of our relationship with Christ is our progressive sanctification. That's just a really cool theological term for becoming more and more like Jesus. And I know that becoming more like him is a slower process than we care to think, but we have to be moving in that direction a little bit 
every day. You know, I really enjoyed the, uh, the video last week that Dave showed called God's Chisel. And uh, it's, it's, if you haven't seen it, it's on our website. You can go to the homepage and it's just right there. You can click on the link and, it, and it'll come up. And the whole premise of the video was um, God taking a hammer and a chisel to your life and just chipping away at the things that are not of him and just, just knocking them off and making you into the image of his son. And I, I love the part where, where God asks the guy, so when you look in the mirror, what do you see? And the guy answers, I see me. And God said, well, then I need to keep chiseling because ultimately you and others need to see my son. You see, that chisel in the hand of God is he will not abandon us and he will consistently be at work in our lives, chiseling away all of the junk that keeps us from looking and living like his son. That is God's grace. We're not abandoned. You are not left alone. You are not left to be alone, but God will not leave you alone. And he will continue to pursue you. And if you open your life to him, he will continue to chisel away that is God. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, I love Jesus never answers the question. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who has sent me. Notice, notice the word. Is it wrong? Anyone, okay. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. The word teaching is singular. Jesus didn't say, will obey my teachings. He said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Jesus, his entire life is not cut up into segments and little portions. His life is not some buffet where you can just kind of walk down the aisle and say, I'll have some of this. I'll try a little bit of that. Maybe a few of these. But yeah, that stuff, uh-uh, I'm not interested in that. And that's, I don't like that. That's too difficult for me. No. His entire life is one singular teaching, one entity. And it's a teaching that we are called to keep. It is a teaching that by the grace of God that we can engage and walk in more and more every day. Yes, even the parts we don't like, even the parts that are difficult for us, even the parts where it's just not me. Those things just don't come natural to me. Those parts we are called to keep. Look at the last verse. Anyone who does not love me, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. This is a very point blank, hit you between the eyes statement. There is force behind these words and it should cause tension in your spirit. It's a force that doesn't let you off the hook. It's words that drop you right 
on to the hook. Those people who do not love Jesus, those people who are not in relationship, deep, intimate relationship with Jesus, you know what their lives look like? They don't or won't obey his teaching. Their lives don't look like his life. And before you start to think about that other person that should be here that's not, before you start to think about, man, he or she needs to really hear this, we need to take a good long look at ourselves and see what is God doing in here. And maybe, maybe you begin by asking yourself a few simple questions. I mean, we're in a new year, right? Maybe, maybe you, you ask yourself the question, do I love Jesus? I mean, do I, do I really love Jesus? And you know how you can answer it? Every day, a little bit more, your life looks like his. You can answer yes. But if you're using grace and freedom as an excuse to live outside of the harmonies of God, you don't love Jesus. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a question you can ask. Is grace my excuse? Or is it God's chisel that's chiseling away the junk that's in my life, as painful as that may be. It's making me more and more like his son. 2011, do you believe it already? You're all getting older. And perpetually young. Nah, 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 nah. And very shortly, it looks like that this church is going to enter into a new chapter of its life. And that's, that's, that's exciting. It's also a little scary. We need to deepen our relationship. Follow Jesus. We need to love him more and more every day. Our lives, the way we live them as individuals out there in the world, need to look more and more like the life of Jesus. We need to keep his commands because everything is junk. Everything is garbage unless it brings us closer in relationship to Jesus, unless it deepens our love for him. Reading the Bible is great. You should do it. But it's not the ends in and of itself. Ministry is great. But it's, it's not the ends. There's, those are things that should point you to a life of godliness in Jesus Christ. Attending church. You should go to church. But just going to church isn't, isn't the point. It should be moving you towards a life that's lived more and more like Jesus Christ. If if all of those things which are good don't direct you and move you in your sanctification, they're useless and they're garbage and they're junk. External trappings of religion fall very short. It's intimacy with Christ will bring us along. The grace of God chiseling away at our lives to make us like his son. Too many have become complacent in their faith. And you're just going through the motions. And God, God wants to bust out the hammer and the chisel. And he wants to get to work. 
No one ever just happens or falls into godliness. It doesn't just happen overnight, but it takes work and it takes commitment to the things that God has called us to. So maybe this new year, you'll let God's grace be the chisel that begins to carve you into the image of his son. Maybe, maybe this year, you begin to let freedom be his hands that will mold and shape you and carry you on this journey. Don't use that excuse. Don't misunderstand grace. Don't misunderstand freedom. As a follower of Jesus Christ, the ones that love him, we will keep him by the power of the Spirit that dwells in you and by the grace of God that will continue, that is continually at work in you. God, forgive us. Forgive us for just wandering off on our own directions in our own way. Forgive us for using grace and freedom as an excuse. Help us get on the right track. If faith is a gift, God, I pray that you would pour out your faith on us. and that we would deepen our relationship with Jesus Christ. That we would open our lives to the painful chiseling that you want to do. And that we would not look at it as something a mean father would do to their child, but we would, we would open our lives to it because it's for our good. Empower us through your spirit to walk the way that you've called us to. Empower us by your spirit to accept the forgiveness that you offer. Empower us by your spirit to follow the commands and the harmony that you've given us through the life of Jesus. Amen. Love you guys. I'll see you next week.